0: Welcome back, everyone. Today, here in the podcast, I have a new special guest. Her name is Elisa Hernandez. She's a Dodgers host and LSNAP NFL host and content creator. Welcome to my podcast, Elisa. Thank you so much for coming. Happy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. Thank you for being here. And so just so we can start and my listeners can get to know you in case they don't, I would like you to give us a brief biography about yourself.
1: Oh, wow. How long is this podcast? Because that might take a long time. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I am born and raised here in Los Angeles, California. Um, I always loved sports, you know, since I was younger. I have two older brothers that really kind of prevented me from being a girly girl. Um, And... I love to talk to people and I love to tell crazy stories and write stories. And I always thought, like, how can I make that into a job? And it was very much, you know, sports reporting, sports journalism. It was just one of those things that just fit very well for me. And I've been blessed enough to, you know, I went to USC. Uh, I went to community college first that I went to USC and then I was able to cover, you know, USC football. I was able to cover the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, the Angels, the Dodgers. And I was able to meet so many people during my time at USC. And that's why it was really important for me to go there um, specifically. And once I graduated, continue to work hard and really connect with people and be be as strategic as I could with my networking, and it's really paid off so far, and it's really kind of helped me grow in this industry to where I am now. You know, I was a field producer for the Dodgers for three years before I got the opportunity to audition to be a Dodgers in-stadium host. I eventually got that job, and you know, with L-Snap, I've been at NFL Network for seven years now, and I'm only into year two with L-Snap, and I obviously am part of content and strategy and things like that, but I my love for it is really on camera and telling stories of players. And so kind of getting that experience and that exposure, you know, you can never plan where you're going to go. Um, I had no idea L-Snap was going to be a thing five years ago, and now it's my main thing. So <laughs> it's like, you always want to be prepared for what's next. Um, you also want to be prepared for you know, what you're not expecting to happen. So that's just a little bit about me and kind of how I've been able to come up. And again, people ask me, why haven't you ever left, you know, especially as a journalist. And I just say, I've been lucky enough to work for some great organizations. I work for the Lakers, I work for the Dodgers, I work for the NFL. And you don't say no to these places. You, know? <laughs> you don't say no to the Lakers, you don't say no to the Dodgers. And um I've been blessed to just really stay in LA. And that's, that's, that's not something that happens to everyone you know some people do have to go to the midwest or you know the south or the east coast and i've been lucky enough to stay here and really thrive in my career and i'm excited to see what's next and yeah i think it's just one of those things that you never knew you never knew what you wanted until you got it (laughs)
0: yeah i was gonna ask you how did you get like into journalism but i guess like this passion to, for sports was like kind of the main thing that led you to it. Uh, I wonder why weren't you an athlete? Well, I, <laughs> I
1: in my heart, I am definitely an athlete. But you know, I'm five one, five two on a good day. And honestly, growing up in the Latino household, my parents really put academics first. You know, and they really wanted me to focus on school. And I did try out for the basketball team one time. I didn't didn't tell my parents I was trying out and I made the team, um, but I didn't play. Uh, I I didn't even join the team. I made it. And I was kind of like, okay, great. And then that was, it. I never went back. (laughs) (laughs) I really always wanted to run track, but again, like, you know, being an athlete I've learned is a full-time commitment and I couldn't commit to my studies as intensely as I wanted to. And also be an athlete. Now, that's not to say that student athletes aren't great, are great athletes and students. But for me, like, you know, my parents had me in summer academy and they had me in Saturday academy and they had me in after school programs like that conflicts with practice, you know, meets, you know, games and things like that. And, you know, it's one of those things that I don't regret, but I kind of do sometimes. It depends on the day. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, my parents, is my parents guidance and wanting me to focus on, on putting school first I mean it definitely helped me. I went to USC, I got a full scholarship there and I was able to really make some great friends along the way. And so I mean everything happens for a reason and there's a reason why I cover sports with the same passion and same competitiveness that I that I would probably would have had as an athlete. So that's <laughs> like this the short answer to that.
0: I love that. <laughs> and you know, I get it. The whole 5152. I am 5 in a good day cuz I'm 411, but <laughs> we all understand each other. I would never try out for basketball. The one time that I tried playing, I broke my ankle. So I was like, no. <laughs> but tell me a little more about your job nowadays. I know that you are a host and you are in the digital content strategist. Can you tell me more about how you use like Spanish and English all together to attract this Latino uh, community
1: into American sports? Yeah, you know, it's it's easier said than done. Um, I think for me, when I took on this job, one thing that I grew up with, I grew up uh, around Mexican culture. You know, I'm Central American, I'm Salvadorian, but my best friends I grew up with were Mexicans. That's just the area that we lived in. And I was always the odd one out, right? And so, you know, my friends would always joke with me and they're like, Oh, you're really Mexican, like you just don't know, and you know. And um it was really important for me. To stand strong on my culture and not just kind of go with what I fit into, right? And I say that in a way where it's like the US Latino can be anything, you know, can be Spaniard, Chilean, Ecuadorian, Guatemalan, Salvadorian, Puerto Rican, Costa Rican. I mean, the US Latino doesn't have a face, you know what I'm saying? And it was really important for me to, to showcase that, you know, especially at the NFL, we've invested so much in international coverage and really making football global from what i've seen just on that you know just as a fan you know i've seen the investment as a fan it's one of those things where you're like okay we have nfl mexico as an account and that makes sense and el snap kind of came out about and they were kind of like we want we want to showcase the other latinos you know we want to showcase who else is in the league and you dive in and we have you know sammy's reyes who was the first player from chile to ever play in the nfl we have tristan colon from the ravens who's puerto rican we have julian love who was cuban we have chris olave who's cuban you know we have all these players that don't necessarily have a platform to lean on and that's kind of where we came in and so me being first generation here and me growing up in a culture where my friends who obviously express their mexican culture very strongly Really supported me and being like, man, you better rep that you're that you're Salvadoran and like you better rep, you know who you are. And they really kind of showed me like, make sure you stand out wherever you are. And so that's kind of how I continued when I got into the NFL and kind of really showcasing those stories and being like, okay, like I'm Central American. That's very different from culture in Mexico. Like you, like the running joke is like, you want to know where you where where people are from? Ask them what a straw is. You know, in Mexico they say popote and Central America they say pajilla. You know what I mean? So. You know, the, those little those little details um, are really important. And I learned Spanish first. Spanish was my first language. And then I learned English and, in school. And it was one of those things that I remember fighting my mom on it. And I was like, why do you want me to learn? Like, I want to learn English. Like, you know, and like my mom's like, no. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful. You know, that she she got me to to learn Spanish. And my dad would only talk to me in Spanish. My grandparents only talked to me in Spanish. Like, they would not speak to me in English. And if I spoke to them in English, they would not answer me back. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think to answer your question and how do I use that, like, to really kind of push these stories, you know, I, I dive in, you know. And I think for El Snap, though, one of the beautiful things is that We're storytellers and we want to show the NFL through a Latino lens in the sense of, you know, the NFL accounts and the main accounts, they look at numbers, right? You know, who had the most yards, you know, who had the biggest touchdowns. We do that too, but we also want to showcase the fact that Tristan Colón came in in the third quarter, you know, to replace the starting guard and he's Puerto Rican and we're rooting for him, you know? And I think that's a really big part of Latino culture is that obviously want you to be good and obviously we we anybody that makes it to the NFL you have you have a big talent that no one else has to make it there but it's almost like we don't care about numbers you're Puerto Rican I'm rooting for you I'm still waiting for the first Salvadorian to enter the NFL because it doesn't matter what team he goes to I'm going to buy their jersey I'm going to root for them because that's that's my country and I think that's the beautiful part of the NFL and and El Snap is that we're just we're just here to tell you all the Latino players that are in the NFL and all the different countries that they represent. You know, we've had people message us like, what? You know, Chris Olave is Cuban? Like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, I would have never thought that. And Chris Olave is really good at football. And so for them to be like, wow, un Cubano is there and he's breaking a thousand yards in the season and he's a rookie, I'm an instant fan, you know? without understanding football, maybe have never even been to New Orleans, but they're just like, there's a Cuban on that team. I'm Cuban. I want to root for him. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I really focus on Snap to do is kind of really kind of lean into that area of kind of understanding, like, this is what, these are the stories you want to tell. And these are the people you need to meet. And this is the Latino representation that you need to see because it's there. And if we don't show it to you, you will never think that you have a place there. And so it's important to show different faces and names and backgrounds and everything. Because once you see that someone made it that far, you think you think and you know that you can too.
0: Yeah, I guess I'll be waiting for the first Brazilian in the NFL.
1: Exactly. (laughs) We have NFL Brazil. We're ready. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Because
0: honestly, for me, I'm like, this is kind of like wrestling, but there's a bow, but it stops at every five seconds. And I'm like, yeah. My roommates are always trying to explain me football. And I'm like, I'll be rooting for whatever you guys are rooting today. I'll learn at (laughs) some point. I've been saying that for so long. Since the first time, I don't know if you know him, Jesse Merrick. He's in Las Vegas right now. He also does sports. And I I told him, like, since the first time that I interviewed him, that I would learn uh, more about football. I guess that that I just know, like, a little bit more than what I knew, like, back then. But, you know, I've been trying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) no but you know what that's 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 the beauty about football like join us anytime (laughs) I mean, join us in playoffs join us at super bowl join us at like join us anytime like you know there's different levels of fans there are fans that will tell you like in 1948 this happened and like i mean i've been covering football so long now and like there's a lot of things i don't know but i never take it as a weakness i never think like oh my god i just think like that's cool i didn't know that thank you for teaching me that And guess what? I'm never going to forget it after that. You know, I'm constantly learning in football. I'm constantly, you know, learning certain plays or something will happen and literally we'll all be in the office and we're like, wait, what happened? And we're like, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, we're all looking at each other like, wait, I've never seen that, that happen before. What does that rule mean? Or what you're always learning,
0: you know?
1: And I think it's, it's one of the things that I never want people to be feel deferred like, Oh, well, I didn't become a fan when I was nine. So I guess I can never like football. No, I have friends that one day they were like, I want to be a football fan. Literally. She was like, I want to be a football fan. Where do I start? And I was like, well, there's 32 teams. <laughs> Go look at him, you know, figure out what team you want to be. And, you know, she looked and she was like, you know what? I really like I really like the team, the 49ers they're in San Francisco. You know, I, you know, I, I live in um, this place and, you know, it's kind of close to me, but not too much. And, you know, I, I I want I want to be their fan. That's how she... Now, she goes to games. She knows players. She has jerseys. Like, she's about to have a, a, a kid. We're buying her, her baby clothes. You know, that's I love how it's, that was... I She didn't grow up a 49ers fan. She didn't grow up... She just decided, you know what? That looks fun. I want to be a fan. Why not and I? from one day to the next, that decision was made. And she learned. And the beautiful thing about fandom is that as soon as she became a football fan, as soon as she became a, a 49ers fan... Other people, oh, you're a 49ers fan? I didn't know that. Oh, you should come hang out with us. Come watch a game with us. It, it opens up a community that you didn't even know. And so I think I always tell people, like, it's never too late. Anyone can become a fan at any time. It's just, it, there's it's always welcoming. The door is always open for more fans to come and join. And again, like, I'm, you're waiting for the first Brazilian to play in the NFL. I'm waiting for the first Salvadorian to play in the NFL. Because that's 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 another way in. But there's all there's nothing stopping you from literally right now two thirty, you know, on March 29th. Say, you know what? I'm going to be a Cowboys fan. Established. You know, the, the, what's going to stop you? So, you know, just I'm going to always... do
0: my research. OK, yeah, for all the listeners I'm not going to say that I'm going to do it today, but I'm going to do my my research in the 32 teams that you said that NFL has. And exactly.
1: You know, maybe I'm I can gonna, find I'm something. You, we have a we have a thing called NFL Team Picker, and you just answer a bunch of questions, and then it, based on your answers, it it suggests a team that you should like. So I'm gonna. Oh send my god! Please, I'm send it send to me to you so that uh, you can try that out. And we'll see what you get.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. Thank you. But back to our like more serious conversation. I am so happy to say that. Now on my podcast, I have two women talking about sports and only one guy talking about sports. (laughs) And that, that, like, you know how great that is to have, like, more women than guys on my podcast talking about, like, their works uh, with sports in the media. Mm -hmm. Because I know that it's growing and it's changing, but it's still, like so small, this women community that we have. And I wanted you to explore a little more about that in your experience, but also bring the fact that you're like a Latina in sports and media.
1: One of the things I've learned is that it's always a fight, right? And for every four seats that a man has on a show, there's probably one for a female host reporter or something. It's one of those things that I thought that that was going to mean that none of the women in sports were going to like each other (laughs) because there's so many limited seats and obviously you're going to encounter people that are different, but also you want to remember that we're natural nurturers in our own way. A woman scorned is a real thing. (laughs) And so that's, why it's important that you, you truly represent who you are. And I've met such amazing mentors along my way, along the way, like Alana Rizzo, who's now MLB network. Um, She really, opened my eyes to professionalism and, you know, baseball, you know, really a male dominated sport and holding your own in conversations and learning how to score a game. Um, MJ Acosta Ruiz, who is the main anchor for NFL Total Access, you know, having her on that platform and something as simple as wearing your hair super curly, super voluminous, curly, like that's not something that I grew up seeing. You know, everyone, which is why I always wanted straight hair when I was growing up. I hated that I had wavy hair. I was like, oh, my hair's so wavy and so big. I want it straight and attached to my, you know, scalp. And now it's everyone's like, oh my God, your hair is so pretty. It's so big. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that seeing that representation, seeing those things really kind of help the next generation, right? And that's why I always say, like when women want to join sports, you have to do twice the work with probably half the credit. And that's not okay. We obviously want all the credit, but there's a balance, you know, like people might tell you like, hey, you're showing off too much. Hey, you're talking about your achievement too much. Hey, like, you know, you need to be ladylike. Like you shouldn't be bragging so much. And it's like you have to remember that you are in charge of you. And you can't control other people, you know, and, and there's always there's it's a very thin line, you know, as to represent yourself. Um, one of my really good friends from college, you know, she were on the phone one day and I said something and I said, oh, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm just going to I'm not going to say anything like I'm just and she was like, what? She's like, no, like no more working in silence, like stop working in silence. And I was like, OK, <laughs> and um, I really took that to heart because why, why did I think I should work in silence? You know, like, I see a lot of my colleagues, both male and female bragging about themselves. And I used to think like, Oh, like, I don't want now. I'm Like, why haven't I been doing that? Like, you know, like, you need to be your own biggest supporter, especially in this industry, because other women support women, you know, this year's women's, you know, this month is Women's History Month. And I think it's important that, We network with each other. We connect with each other and understand that it's also up to us to create room in certain spaces. Right. I think one of my favorite compliments I ever got was me and MJ did a preview of a Rams game um, and we were on the field and we just did like a quick preview, like who's going to win? What's this, that we're just talking football. And we had this, this viewer comment on our account and she was like, I never thought I would see Two darker skinned Latinas talking football. For her to say that, you know, it meant a lot because I never saw a darker skin Latina talking yeah. anywhere. You know, it was always much lighter skin tone Latinas. Like I'm a little darker skin tone, and I'm the only one in my family. I'm the only girl in my family with this skin tone. Everyone else is light. Everyone <laughs> is light except for me. So they always call me La Negrita. <laughs> like, You're like, special, like, that's all. Yeah, I'm a little dark <laughs> one in the family. Everyone else is much lighter. And I never saw that on TV. I never saw someone that looked like me. I never understood why. Obviously, like, as, as I kind of go on, like, I continue to kind of push forward those boundaries. You know, I when I went to go talk at Sun, you know, at, my nails were purple. And they were, were yeah. great, by the way. They were <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you. Now, now <laughs> I have blue. Now I have blue nails. And someone asked specifically about my nails. And I said, look, I it's who I am. It's not a gimmick. I don't do it because it's the typical one. And no, it's who I am. You know, I, I remember love, you were talking was, about the nails and the hoops. And I was like, yeah, let's go. I was like, that's why this podcast is just audio, because I don't have my hoops on today. But uh yeah, I mean, it's 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 who I am. And it's truly who I am. Like, I just had a meeting with the CMO of my company, a chief marketing officer of the company. And we had to talk about ourselves and to him and to a group of a hundred people. I said, I said, guys, when you see me around the office, my nose are going to be long and they're going to be blue and I'm going to have hoops on. And you know what? It doesn't take away how professional I am. It doesn't take away how hardworking I am. It doesn't take away the fact that I do a great job. Yeah. That's and true. I was like, that it's who I am. And I'm going to be unapologetically myself. I said that to the CMO of the company. I said that to a team of VPs, vice presidents, everyone, because I need them to know this is part of who I am. It's how I stay connected to my Latina roots of like expression and color. And, you know, my, I always wore hoops in, in high school. Granted they're much smaller now. I used to have like, my dad used to make fun of me when I was younger. Cause I would have humongous hoops and my dad would like swing on it. And he's like, Oh, your bird flew away. And I'm like, so you know we always had that running joke so now my hoops are a little smaller but but they're still there and it's still still you and it's still like a great professional and I you know I always say to that because as a woman in sports you have to conform to some extent you you really can't get away with not conforming but you can take a you can take a stand at how much you're gonna conform and for me, it's like, look, I'll, I'll wear professional clothes, I will wear what I need to wear to look but like my nails and my hoops are non negotiable. And if you don't want if, if a job says, well, it's too much, well, then you know what, I'm probably too much for you. There and I don't want to do this. You know, there you go. I got my job with the NFL the same way I am now. I got my job with the Lakers the same way I am now. And I got my job with the Dodgers the same way I am now. You know, I, it's funny because I don't, I didn't think it was a big deal. I really didn't. I really didn't until people started coming up to me and was like, oh my God, I love that you wear hoops when you do Dodger games. Oh my God, I love that your nails are so long and, and coffin shape and they're so bright and, and extra. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't, like, to me, it's not a big deal, but to people, they're not, to seeing that. They're not used to seeing a super long, you know, sharp nail, you know, out there. And I think for women in sports, that's what's important. You know, when you are walking into rooms, be who you are, because if not, you're going to get trapped into being someone else your entire career. That's not something that I'm willing to compromise on. And that's not something that I'm willing to give away for anyone. Yeah, you you know, it's like I am who I am. You know, I'm going to talk Spanglish. I'm going to talk Spanish. I'm going to, my um, Salvadorian accent is going to come out. I speak really fast. Um, we had rehearsals for Dodgers the other day, yesterday, and I was uh, speaking and <laughs> my, my uh, producer was like, um, Elisa, slow down. You're talking too fast. And <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, sorry. You know, so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, as women in sports, as you kind of see positions open up, you see positions of multiple women, um, you have to support that. You know, you have to support other women because the MLB did an all-female broadcast crew, right? Like the play-by-play was a woman. The host was a woman. The reporter sideline was a woman. Everyone was a woman. It was, it was trailblazing. And the views, you know, the sh- the game got good views. And what does that mean? It means people want to watch this. It's not something you did because, oh, let's just do it to make... No, people want to watch this. And sometimes just like representation matters from a cultural perspective sometimes women like who are fans want to hear from a woman who's breaking down the game you yes. know and it's yeah. that representation as simple as you're a woman and you're talking to me about sports that's all i care about True. and that that's important too like that representation when we say that it goes beyond just your culture you know it's a matter of like wanting to see yourself and if you see one, like a female host, a female analyst, a female play-by-play, guess what? That little girl who loves sports, she's going to be like, I want to be like Jessica Mendoza, who's a play-by-play for the MLB. I want to be like her. She made it. I want. I, now I know that there is room for me to be in a play-by-play room. There's room yeah. for me to be a sideline reporter. There's room for me to be an analyst. Because you just see another woman breaking those barriers. And so that's kind of what I try to be. Um as much as I can, you don't know that you're doing it. That's the that's the best most rewarding part is that while you're you're just you're just doing what you want to do and what you think is important. I think what the payoff is other people noticing and other women being like, Wow, like you're amazing or wow, like I didn't know I c I didn't know you could do this. Or wow, like Elisa, I saw you were at Super Bowl. Like I wanna go to Super Bowl. You know, it's like it's very humbling sometimes when people message me because I've been in the industry for so long. I get a little jaded. Sometimes I have to remind myself like people would kill to be at the super bowl yeah. people would kill to touch the field before the super bowl game some people will never get that opportunity in their entire life and i have to really think about that sometimes and be like okay let me enjoy this yeah you and know? i really yeah. love, love this answer
0: i loved your answer like for the whole thing it was so great <laughs> and so insightful <laughs> listeners, I have a great news for you. I'm here to incentivize you to create your own podcast just like me. I couldn't think of a better partner than Buzzsprout, and I recommend them for you as a beginner in podcasting. Buzzsprout can help you with publishing your own podcast in every major platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. They also automatically publish on their personalized website, and they give you all the statistics in detail that you want. To start your own podcast and to win a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the instructions on the link in my show notes. If I can do it, you can do it too. Good luck on creating your very own podcast. And I'm so excited to talk about this. Whenever I get like into this women in the industry, I usually ask like some of the women, like how do they feel if it's like a little more masculine part of the media that it still is. And like I get like those answers and I get so excited to like go into it. And, you know, you were talking about people bragging about their achievements and all, but you are a two times Emmy winner. And you know what, I'm gonna give you the stage right now to brag a little about this, about the work that you did, like, how did you feel about your family, because the Latinos, they're very family people. So like, how was all of this process? Please brag about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well the first one that I won, I didn't know that I won. I we got an email from our director and they were like, Hey, like make sure you guys can pick up your Emmys and I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, Um, you won the Emmy for the show on sports in LA and da-da-da. And I'm like, Me? Like at least <laughs> And they're just like they're like, well, that's what's on the trophy. And I'm like, there's a trophy? Like, it was just, you know, it's one of those things that I, it, it was kind of bittersweet because this is when I really, truly learned to appreciate everybody that works on the crew. Um, stage managers, teleprompters, lighting, audio, um, camera, all those guys, they play a huge part in making any kind of host reporter successful. And when I won an Emmy, my first Emmy, it was very much like, wow, wow so I was important. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I go to work, I, I do what I had to do, and you know, I was prompter, teleprompter, stage managing, things like that. I, you know, I was, I was part of the team that won. And so, you know, we all got Emmys. And it was one of those things where like, it really, I took me a moment to kind of be like, okay, so I'm not, I'm doing good. You know, I, I I'm doing good. And I didn't, you know, that job was one of those things that I want to be on camera. But, you know, I just, I, I went into production because I just, I wanted to do that. And when I got that, it just kind of let me know like, okay, like you're on the right path, you know, like you're, you're, there's a reason why you're here. And it's true because had I not gotten that job, I wouldn't have met everyone that I met. And then, you know, five years later, they were looking for a field producer. I got recommended. And then the people that interviewed me were like, didn't you used to work here? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) And they're like, weren't you like, you worked on the Sports Nightly show. And I'm like, Yes. I was like, I want an Emmy with them. Oh yeah. Okay. I would have never had that connection, you know? And so when I got hired and I became field producer, you know, that was a, that was interesting time. You know, in 2019, you know, we had a great season. I worked with Alana Rizzo, who's seven, who's a seven time winning uh, Emmy Emmy award winner. So, you know, I have five more to catch up to her. (laughs) And I remember when I won that one, we had done a great show. And I think that Emmy was the one that I really felt that I earned in the sense of like, I produce the show, I'm a big part. And when I say produce the show, I mean from a field producing standpoint, right? So we have our producers, our amazing producers, in LA that produce the actual like rundown. Um, but I was the conduit at the stadium. So it'd be like, hey, Lisa, like, who do we got? And I would go and I'd talk to PR and, hey, we want this guy. We want to talk about this and this. Okay, great. Hey, so, and I would go and I'd get the player and I'd take him to the set and I'd sit him down. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I felt my work. And so when I got that Emmy, it was kind of like, yeah, right. I deserve that. (laughs) And so uh, that was one that I was really proud to, to win. And, um, you know, I was just really excited for that opportunity and, and, and to be recognized in that way. And um, regional Emmys are a little different. So I, I didn't go to the award show or anything like that, but, when I I got the box, and they were like, hey, come pick up your Emmy, and I I looked at it, and it's, like, gold and shiny and has my name on it, and it just, I showed it to my parents, and it's so funny, like, every time around Christmas, my parents bring it out, like, it's, like, decoration, (laughs) I think, because they look like angels, and they're just like, oh, family's coming over, bring the Emmys out, and it's just like, oh, God. As the thing on the top um, of
0: the fireplace.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly, and, um, you know, I, I am really proud of it, and it's one of those things that I'm like, okay, like, well, what's next, right? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person. that's like, yeah, I want an Emmy. Four years ago, like, no, like, I'm like, what's the next award I'm gonna get? And so, um, but again, like, my humble upbringing and my hardworking up, my hard work upbringing always tells me, like, you know what? Just do your work, and everything will come after. You know, like, I had no idea I was competing for an Emmy when I was doing my work. I just did the best work that I could do. You know, I had no idea that that show was going to be submitted for Emmy consideration. I just did the best job that I could, you know, and I think that's what people have to have to really focus on. You know, just do your work. Be the best that you can be. That's one thing my dad would really tell me. You know, he'd be like, I don't care what you do. Just be the best at it. Apparently I don't care what you are. Job you take twice. you be the best at that job. I don't care what job it is. Be the best. Make it so that no one can do that job better than you and I took that to heart when I was a kid. And, um, even now, like I, I always try to be, be humble, Like thank everyone who are always helping me, especially when I go out of their way to help me. Um, especially at the NFL being so big, you know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people there, but a lot, it's basically cause I work my way up from the bottom to, to the position I am now. So I think, um, the two Emmys are always something that I always forget to mention. <laughs> sometimes,
0: oh and, yeah, I uh, forgot. Well, I, I have was...
1: two Emmys. Oh, silly yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> like I, it's, yeah, and like you know, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm like, no, I really forgot to tell you guys that. Like, I, yeah, you're right. I did win two Emmys, and I always try to just say like, you always want to take a moment to appreciate those times. Um, my mom was super excited when I won my first one. She was super excited when I won my second one, and I can't wait to win a third one. So, but I, 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 I won was I, and honestly. I think to close this one out, what I love about my Emmys is that they kind of tell a story. So my first Emmy I won when I was in studio ops, right?
0: Yeah. The
1: second Emmy I won is when I was a producer. And I hope that my next Emmy is when I'm a reporter.
0: I love that. Yeah. Yeah yeah and we're so cheering for that everybody will, here <laughs>
1: yeah they will they will truly represent my growth and i think that's my favorite part of my Emmys. i mean in this
0: bragging part
1: here i kind of want to brag a little bit too <laughs> it's not the
0: I same it's sure. not Go quite ahead. the Go same <laughs> as an emmy but last year i went as a volunteer to organize the golden mics this year uh, i got oh, one of their scholarship the awards Mikes. And I was like, yeah. it's like such a big deal. I was just getting the scholarship, not the actual golden mics. But everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, that is so nice! Congratulations!" And making all these connections. And uh, there was this girl that she got the same scholarship that I got, like for the first time last year. And uh, this time she went back as a reporter in the industry already. Mm -hmm. And she was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? You came here as a volunteer, as now like scholarship uh, recipient. Next time you're coming here, it's going to be because you're in the industry. And I was like, yes, that is my next goal. Get my golden mics when I'm already working. And I'm like, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as you said, that's amazing. Congratulations. Well, congratulations to you too. (laughs) No, but it's true. And I think telling those stories is what's important. I mean, you're going to remember those moments, you know what I'm saying? You're going to remember what it took to get here and what it took to get there. And I think that's one of the things that I talked about to, you know, some of the people at CSUN where I just said, like, look, like, it's gonna feel like you're going in the wrong direction until it doesn't. I mean, (laughs) I went
0: trust yourself as much (laughs) as you can. I went 7K miles away from home just to follow my dream. So, like, getting that award, I was like, yes, everything is paying off right now. And I'm just going to keep, like, grinding to get, like, my my ultimate goal here in the West. So, yeah, exactly.
1: that's and all look, it is look, about. Look, being 5'1 and 5'2 is not a bad thing. even <laughs> 5 feet, you know why? You can be in the front row, right under the camera. You're not in anybody's way. And you can just kind of maneuver. Yeah, That's what I did. There okay. we go. <laughs> That's the yeah, The camera like, right here over my head. And I'm like, am I in your shot? They're like, no. I'm like, great. Yeah, you're for sure you're not. Right. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I was also, like, when I was doing my research about you uh, to ask the questions, I saw that literally every job or internship that you got was in sports. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Because, like you said in the very beginning of this episode, like, you are very... Blessed to be like just in LA and very blessed to get like just stuff in sports, which is like people have to go, Oh, you gotta do like news or you know, hard news just to get into the field or whatever. But like, yeah. literally, everything ABC7 News co host for the Lakers, Dodgers, NFL. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that is so amazing!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, all my internships have been in sports, but again, it's something I've never actually thought about or really realized. Um, it's interesting that you kind of pointed that out because I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I did do news when I was in school. Like, so my classes, I had to do, I was, you know, I had to do news and it was okay. And like, I was good at it, but I just, it didn't, it didn't give me the happiness that I was looking for. And with sports, again, like I, it's my competitiveness, right? I love to be competitive. I love to kind of challenge myself. And I just knew like, I, I want to do that. And I've always been that way. Like even when I went to community college, like I told my mom, like I'm not going to get stuck here. I promise. And when I transferred to USC, you know, when people transfer, they apply to multiple schools. I only applied to USC. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get in. Like, it was just like, (laughs) it was just, I just, I just knew it. Like, is that smart? Probably not. I probably should have like applied, but like I was all in and you know, I, I got in and I never even, I didn't realize I didn't apply to anything else until someone told me like, wait, what if you didn't get to USC though? What were you going to do? And I'm like, what? (laughs) It never (laughs) entered my mind that it was a possibility that I wouldn't get into USC. Like I was like, no, I'm going to community college to go to USC and that's it. Like there's no in between. And so I kind of took that same approach when I was interning. I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to intern for the best places, ABC seven, you know, KCAL CBS, they're at everything. They're at every Laker game, Clippers game, Angels game, Kings game. I want. To, I want to do that. So let me go. And it's such a nice thing because even now, uh, the camera guys that I used to, that I used to see when I would intern, they're they're still the camera guys to this day. And it's like you know, it's almost ten years later, and they see me and they're just like Elisa, like oh my god, like you're you're so grown up, and we're so proud of you. And they like hug me, and it's like one of those things that I'm just like wow, like they were, they really got to see me grow up because I didn't leave, you know? And again, like being working in sports, like I just, networking was a really big part of that, you know, and networking was a really big part of how I was able to maneuver and, and get my different jobs. Like the intern coordinator that I had at KCAL9, he ended up leaving to become the intern coordinator and the hiring manager, I think for studio ops at Spectrum Sportsnet. And I was his intern. And so he had called me and was like, hey, like, you know, I don't know what you're doing after college, but we have some openings if you want. to." And I was like, sure. And that's how I got that job. It's, you know, it's because I met someone and I knew someone. And again, you never know who's watching. So you just yeah. have to do a good job. Like, you never know who's looking at you. You never know who's watching you. Um, whether it's social media, in person, at at the stadium, you know, thousands of people go to Dodger games. Yeah, Thousands of people. Those levels are filled with Dodger fans, VPs, executives, hiring men, everything. You never know who's watching. And so every time I go on camera for the Dodgers, like I'm representing a team, I'm representing a brand, and I'm representing myself. And I always want to make sure that I do a good job and I'm joyful and creative and loud and, you know, being who I am because people are going to see that. and People are going to hear the name. And um, there's one thing I learned about Dodger games. They really pay attention to the pregame show, and I didn't know that (laughs) until I was people like really watching and i'm like oh wow you guys really watch this okay so i have to do an even better job and so again i've been very lucky very blessed to work in sports and um i think it's one of those things that i just have to remember to appreciate that i my journey has kind of brought me here
0: for sure and as much as i'm loving having this conversation with you uh we have to (laughs) go towards the end of the episode and (laughs) (laughs) i know can you give Students that want to pursue sports and advice. Besides being yourself, there's I think like the whole episode you gave like a bunch of good advices. But which one is
1: like another one that it came to your mind like right now
0: for students? You know, obviously one of my
1: I grew up in LA, so I was a big Lakers fan. Uh, Kobe Bryant was is my favorite player ever. The Mamba mentality is something that I've really taken into heart and uh, also he said a quote one time and he's like if you don't believe in yourself no one else will and that comes part to what we talked about earlier about bragging and not working in silence the thing with Kobe is like he worked in silence but you knew how hard he worked that wasn't silent that was as loud as it could be you know and players and again you never know who's watching players to this day even though you know three years after he passed is very much like oh when I was a rookie you know I, I went to the gym at 4am and Kobe has had already been there for an hour. Whether Kobe knew that or not, it's like you never know who's going to take inspiration from you. True, and that's why you have to believe in yourself more than anyone. Yeah, and you always have to take the time to pay it forward, and never forget who helped you. You know who was nice to you. Be nice to everyone. That's also my Latina culture. That just you know that's just how we grew up respecting our elders, respecting, you know, proper authority, but also knowing when to push back on that authority. And I think uh, that, that's important for, for young journalists out there. You know, this job is a lot of fun. It's also a lot of sacrifice, you know. You sacrifice time with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your significant other, you know, you, you have to put in that time because it's not just going to come, you know. It's not just going to be like, even though it seems that way, some people see reporters get jobs and they're like, "Oh, she just got it because this. She just got it because that." Little do they know, she's been a she's been doing what you're doing for 10 years. She's been doing what I'm doing for 6 years, 7 years, whatever, 10 years. Every overnight sensation took 10 years in the making. And people don't think that. They just think, "Oh, they just got her because she's super pretty," or they just got her because she's this. And it's like, "No, if you look at where we've all come from, we've all had to work" and do many jobs, work many things, be a producer, be a field producer, you know, a runner, whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, don't let that discourage you. And you have to believe yourself or no one else will. And don't compare yourself to other people. It'll drive you crazy. And you just have to know that what's for you is for you. And something's going to come along and you're not even going to realize it, but you have to be ready for it. You know, like I... I love football, basketball, and baseball. And right now, one of the, one of the favorite jobs that I did was Rallycross, where it was like electric car racing. Never did I think would I ever be a reporter for electric car racing. And I was, and it was so much fun, and I learned so much about it. And I was, like, running around, and I was, like, in dirt and gravel and, like, all this stuff. And I would have never thought that I would cover that sport, you know? And so you have to just believe in yourself and – Be open to things and understand, like, you you do need to be your biggest fan. And now,
0: just to finish, really, I love all of your words. They were very insightful, (laughs) again. (laughs) And there is anything else that you think that you should tell me or tell our listeners here that are spending the night, day, morning. I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but
1: (laughs) Uh, well, first thing is uh, thanks for listening. Um, This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed um, talking about things and going down memory lane. I uh, I think to close it out, I really had a good one. I don't know if it slipped my mind right now, but really just taking a moment and know that there's nothing wrong with being the first. And what I mean by that is it's OK that there hasn't been a darker skin tone, half Korean, half Salvadorian reporter. Be the first. It's OK that there hasn't been a, you know, first generation, Brazilian, five feet on a good day, 411 correspondent for MLB Network. Be the first. You know, it's, it, it's OK. It's scary and it's hard, but it's OK. If you don't see a representation, be the representation. If you don't see yourself, be that person then. Be the person to to go do that. And again, I know it's scary. And I know it's easier said than done. Trust me. Don't wait for someone else to be the first.
0: I love that. And you thank know? you.
1: Thank you for all these words. They are so great,
0: <laughs> honestly. Thank you so much, Elisa, for coming to my podcast. And thank you all the listeners who are listening to us. And, you know, don't forget to go to the show notes. Check the website, go to our social medias, our Facebook, Journalist Talk, and Instagram, Beabarros News. And as always, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye!